Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Courtney Staples, and yes, this does mean that Rob wasn't able to join us today, but with me is Daniel Quinn, as well as our guest, Johnny Law, who you might remember back from episode uh, 197 with the mole people. John, thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. And on today's episode, we're going to be starting a prompt from Patron Kaiser. But before we get into that, I want to remind you that if you'd like us to build your world, you can go to our website, worldbuildfast.com, where you can fill out a prompt form and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we're on YouTube, where you can like, subscribe, comment, all the good youtube stuff. We're also on Twitter, at Let's World Build. And if you'd like to chat with us in a more direct way about world building or anything, really, you can join our Discord server. There's a link for that in the description and on our site. And if you're feeling particularly generous and would like to support the podcast like Kaiser, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash worldbuildwithus or follow the link in the episode description. When you become a patron, you'll get benefits like early access to episodes, too hot for broadcast clips that don't make it into the final cuts, and patron-exclusive episodes called the AFID Lounge, which John has been on a couple of times now. Uh, you'll also get two-part world builds for the prompts that you submit to us instead of just one-parters, so today's going to be part one of Kaiser's setting. And if any of that appeals, check out our Patreon for the full list of benefits, and of course, a big thank you to all of our patrons. And John, before we get started, could you tell our listeners what you do and where they can find you? Sure thing. Um, I pretty much just hang around my house with a bunch of dogs as a job right now. I, I, I dabble around in restaurants and things like that and drink a lot. Uh, but I can also be found on the YouTubes uh, under Johnny Law, which is my little moniker I've picked up over the years. And I make videos about tabletop RPGs and how to infuse better narratives into them. Uh, it's actually, I kind of call it Roll for Narrative. And I'm also making, well, in the process, it's kind of bogging me down, but I'm getting there, making videos about this wonderful new tabletop RPG that's an indie rules light, uh, amazing web-based game I've been playing online for so long with some really cool people that you guys might know. Uh, and that's called Advanced Old School Revival, also known as OSR Plus. Can I say that now? Are we allowed to start talking about this? <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll eventually have an um, episode where um, I'm the subject of it, I'm so sure. Hell yeah. <laughs> I want to be there for that one. <laughs> we should do that. That'd be kind of cool if we had the crew, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would be chaotic. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that'd be good. I was going to say there is nothing quite like hearing... Courtney's smooth jazz voice opened the episode. <laughs> I love it. It's the, the NPR. I mean, she's got the hmms and the uhs down uh -huh. as well. So it's, it's, not the, it's the whole package. Exactly. Thanks. Thank you. Um, and now without further ado, let's get into the prompts. Kaiser's prompt is pretty simple and just reads dark slash horror military diesel punk setting, which leaves us a lot of room for interpretation. And the tenets are, number one, the setting has to be dieselpunk slash blitzpunk, think Wolfenstein. Number two, the setting has to be heavily focused on the military. And number three, there have to be super soldiers or failed experiments of some sort. And John, as our guest, could you start us off today? What's your first tenet? 
Can I just say how hard it is to come up with stuff when you're have so much open space? Like yeah. I like I like to be I like to be challenged and penned in. And also, I think he made up the word blitzpunk. I could not find anywhere. No, it, that is actually a thing. Is it's it? Like, it's some like sub sub genre of steampunk slash diesel punk. Mm. It's like an alternate history where either the the Nazis won or there's some sort of like super villain still in the in the picture. I just kept seeing stuff about the punk group Blitz. Oh, uh, yeah, I did see that too. <laughs> that is a fantastic segue because my tenet is just that. Uh, I want to say that this takes place in a post-World War II era where only Japan and the U.S. have exited as superpowers, and most of Europe, Asia, and Africa have been laid to waste. Oh, damn. Okay. Wow. So no not no Nazis. We're going to flip that on. Uh, it's always the okay. Nazis win. No, the Nazis, yeah. they're all... But somehow Japan and the U.S. were the only ones that got out unscathed. Well, not unscathed, but uh, as, as like the major. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Interesting and specific. Yeah. I was going to say, we should probably explain what diesel punk is because I yes. Google it a little yeah. bit when I, when I look it up. Call. Yeah. Like from what I understand very broadly, it appears to be a um, steampunk genre that takes place between the world wars, typically, or it has the stylings of that. And that mm-hmm. I think Art Deco plays a large um, role in its aesthetic. Um, and then the other thing I read is there's two like competing philosophies behind it. One by two different, I believe, writers. One's called Attenzian and one's called Pycraftian. And mm-hmm. one of them is about like, hey, um, there's this kind of rosy view of technology um, in the same way you might have a retropunk where we're looking back on a certain time period and the technology is utopian potentially. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, Atenzian is the utopian one. And the other one um, has to do with like the aesthetic getting really grimy and dark and horrible as a result of the war. So there's like two directions you can go, it seems like, in Diesel Punk. Interesting. I totally knew that DQ would go into uh, greater depth in this. I, I just bought <laughs> the Wikipedia page. I'm like, oh, okay, it's like steampunk, but later. Cool. All right. <laughs> Good enough for me. I just want to know like, what exactly is the distinction here? You know, and obviously the diesel engine is is huge. Yes. Yeah. 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 So John, with your alt history setup here, are are you picturing it as the more grimy, messed up kind of world, given that it sounds like a lot of the world has been laid to waste? Well, because well, he did ask for it to be dark horror, yeah, in a yeah. very diesel punk setting. So yeah, I'm thinking like that the United States probably lost both of its coasts. To, mm. Like I, basically, I don't know if the bombing of Japan, the bombings of Japan, was thwarted, mm. or that they retaliated in kind, or something like that. Like I'm, I'm very open to all um, suggestions, but I just picture that what ended up happening was all of Europe, most of Africa, and most of Asia all just like kind of imploded, and um, they just got crushed because of their positioning globally. Uh, that Japan and the United States were able to, you know, survive in its mm-hmm. way and rebuild. Uh, I don't know if they are enemies still. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm open for all that. I, I was initially, I was like, well, it's always the Nazis. It's always the Nazis win, whatever. You know, I wanted no Nazis. No Nazi. I see too many Nazis on a daily basis. <laughs> Done with them. Sounds like it's quite Pycraftian then. Yes. Yes. Sounds like it. <laughs> yes. Another question I have, um, so from what I understand, it typically takes place between the world wars, but we're positing a result of World War II, right? 
Yeah, it doesn't have to be the end. Like World War II could have been extended, or maybe yeah, it's like maybe war ongoing at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought when I looked it up, Diesel Punk. I thought it said something about the 1950s, like post-war. Yeah, with, where, where a lot of Diesel Punk took place. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I was initially going with. That it was post-war. But once again, like I, I know, I gave a very specific tenet that I'm open to the, all the interpretations of it. Um, you know, as long as Nazis can eat shit. <laughs> Well, we can say it's like maybe it's reached the end of the interwar period and it's an ongoing. It's not really over. And so that's why we're sure. facing yeah. such devastation, you know. But like yeah. Yeah, like all the other superpowers, Russia, Great Britain, um, you know, the Nazis, they're they're all they're wrecked. And they're probably mm-hmm. like zombies or something, if you want to be make it horror. I don't know. We'll figure that part out. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, given like the the geographic locations of the two that have prevailed like if there was some sort of plague or something uh that mm-hmm. traveled around asia europe and and africa yeah that's what i was kind of going with though just that yeah. they because they're i i played a lot of access and allies as a kid mm-hmm. so you know that was the whole thing america you just ball up and you get you get ready to because your geographical location so good yeah and i assume like this the the in my vision of this setting that uh you know the soviet union and the nazis just kind of blew each other up so japan was allowed to skirt that damage mm-hmm. so okay. to speak but we also have to think about resources because if this is diesel punk you know gas and oil and whatnot is gonna be very important so yeah definitely so yeah i'm wondering how japan would deal with that given that it's a very small island nation it mostly st- taken from siberia is what i would think but yeah i could see that I like the idea, too, of there being this kind of gulf between these remaining powers um, where the world is sort of dormant. And obviously, mm-hmm. there's the ocean between them, too, on the other side. Literal gulfs. Yeah. <laughs> but I imagine maybe there's something we could do with that, too. Perhaps, like, the oceans are poisoned in some way. And then, Ooh, you know. yeah. It's it's funny that you, uh, it's funny that oh. you bring that up, because that was actually my second tenet. There you <laughs> go. It's basically, like something has happened to the oceans that makes them extremely dangerous to traverse was mine. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Is it kaiju? Because mine, mine was leading towards kaiju. I was honestly thinking <laughs> that it was like something lurks in the deep, but wanted to leave it open to interpretation. But it, it could certainly be kaiju, yeah. I mean, even if it was storms, that does add all or some kind of like, you know, natural phenomenon that adds a level because... I'm imagining, you know, airships, diesel airships and things like that. And that's probably how they're navigating fighter pilot planes, sort of that retro future thing. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure diesel airships are called planes, but that, that might be my... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're zeppelins. They're zeppelins. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so th- I think that definitely works. Uh, well, how do you... What are you envisioning for this oceanic cataclysm? Are you picturing... The waters themselves being ruined or is there some kind of like tempests or like what's going on yeah when i first was thinking about it it was that there was like some sort of something lurking deep below that would potentially attack if you were in the ocean but yeah i don't know like what would have caused that we could also go in a way of like they're just acidic now or they've been horribly polluted or something like that it could be both, where whatever's yeah. in there has poisoned the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Or, or it could be that it's a result of poisoning. I mean, much like how Godzilla's, you know, it was a whole nuclear testing created Godzilla. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like maybe, I don't know, certain bombs got 
dropped into the ocean and drifted way, way down into some trench and uh, managed to trigger down there and brought up whatever was down there or woke up whatever was down there. Mm. Do any of us have any strong concept of how a diesel engine works? Because I certainly don't. Nope. <laughs> uh, I mean, what do you mean by strong concept? It, it, it's combustion. It's Any it's... concept? Because I can't yeah. even tell you how a combustion engine works. I, I have general, general Can you knowledge. elaborate on that for us? Because for me, I'm just seeing like metal parts moving around and steam popping out. Well, so no, it's it's basically the oil burns, it, it, you know, and with oxygen. And you know, magic happens, and the car goes goes broom. Now, so it, it does take in air and compresses it, and injects fuel into the compressed air. And I'm totally not just reading this off the internet right now. <laughs> and the heat of the compressed air ignites the fuel spontaneously. Okay. Uh, they do not contain spark plugs. These little engines. Okay. But what's the difference between that and like um? Like a what we gasoline? Yeah, like a gas engine or something. Is it that the spark plugs? That well, was... spark plugs are involved, and um, yeah, diesels are not as refined either. Um, so is it like simpler? Well, yeah, I believe it's simpler in construction, and it's also the the refinement that's involved in you know the different grades of gasoline is oh more the fuel and so um, yeah so but diesel actually costs more. Because I think the okay. other fuel, because of refining, and also it gets it's not like watered down, so to speak. Like that's like the different like grades. Okay. And then is there like benefits to this versus what we have now, or like is there a reason? I I don't really know what's the reason why we stopped using <laughs> this technology. For example, hold on, I just I'm just thinking really hard here. <laughs> um, well, it's very toxic, first of all. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's uh so they even though we've been cleaning them lately, they're still a major source of air pollution and greenhouse gases. Um, are the trucks that use like the diesel fuel at gas stations now are they the same sort of thing? And why are they more expensive? I'm getting alternate. So yeah, gasoline engines are lighter and deliver higher performance than diesel engines. Mm -hmm. Um, it does say I'm seeing the diesel does ha is more fuel efficient though, okay, and produces fewer emissions. But I think it's like the the emissions that they do produce are just that more fucked. <laughs> Why does the EPA hate diesel? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so it's not a huge distinction. It's just in in, in the particulars. It seems between diesel and gasoline engines. Yeah. Right. Um, well, there's the spark plug. Mm -hmm. Is one part. Um, Google. There's like, there's like these technical differences. So and gasoline burns faster, which allows it to produce more power or horsepower, whereas diesel fuels thicker in density, so it evaporates more slowly. Okay. But yeah, it has a higher energy density, so therefore it it actually you get more energy from diesel than you do from gasoline. But gasoline can create more power because it burns faster. Okay. I didn't mean to divert us too far. No, it's good. Understand. Yeah. yeah. I think it's smart to have a general idea. But I, I mean, I think as far as uh, it, it doesn't really, and from what our standpoint here, we can mm -hmm. just think of it as gas. Like we don't have to, I don't think it matters that much. Just cruder. And, and, and it supplants steam engines. Diesel. Yes. Okay. Well, it is, it's just a different, it's creating steam in a more powerful way. God. Is the okay. Thing. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I'm just, I'm thinking back to like, your your poisoned ocean, right? And I'm wondering if like 
if, for example, because in World War II we have the development of like nuclear power, right? Eventually, mm-hmm. so so like perhaps um, in whatever has happened, there's more and more elaborate and powerful diesel engines, and the war that created this devastation made use of such weapons that really poisoned the earth in some way. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to go with or it. Gave rise to these creatures, perhaps. Yeah, could even be like runoff from the production or oh yeah or maybe it was like getting the oil in the first place is what caused this interruption like there's a massive oil leak in the ocean something like that Mm -hmm. okay or maybe there's like a a diesel engine developed that relies on like ocean energy somehow to be coupled with it i don't know yeah and so the proximity to the ocean could be a problem yeah i think there's a bunch of different ways that we could go with it in the long run I dig it. Yeah. Well, I've got something to ruin. To it's going to make um, it's going to make Kaiser very angry. Uh-uh. And I live for this because <laughs> when I'm given a prompt that for one has some historical requirement, which already annoys me, um, and then for two has technological restraints in science fiction, I I have to rebel. So my tenant is there is a race of diesel engine android robots that play a pivotal role in society. Okay. I think that's I think that's reasonable. <laughs> I mean, it fits with like the diesel punk vibe that like uh-huh. sort of Art Deco-y like Sky Captain look. Yes. Are are these robots? Uh, are they autonomous? Yes, I think they're sentient. Uh, so, are they the ones that are in Europe right now? Are they? Oh, have they taken over, or have they made home in somewhere nicer like the South Americas? Maybe maybe they could survive in the wasted Middle Earth, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're holding they're holding all the stockpiles of uh, oh, of oil of oil and whatnot there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they have something to do with the oceans. Being Africa. Crazy. Yeah, they're in Africa. Maybe maybe they were part of the proxy war, and they're they're what you know between the nations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, this actually could kind of well. I don't want to. I don't want to get off of this yet and keep going but this could kind of lead into my second tenant as well but we can get through this first okay um do you think that the robots would have rebelled at any point or did they just happen to have survived they did okay i think so i i I mean since you take that direction i think so and also he says that the military is very important in this so yeah i mean like when john was describing them in the middle i was picturing like japan and the u.s as a result of whatever has happened having control of these weapons and Mm -hmm. kind of wiping the floor with the middle and then perhaps they turned against them. Yeah. Mm. Now like that, that they deployed these robots and then, then they just, I'm going to keep saying robots by the way. Um, and they, uh, you know, basically at one point, one was like, why am I killing for these assholes and decided to, you know, start creating their own society, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering if like there was any sort of, um, very primitive hacking involved, like mm. um, thinking to like the Enigma machine Ooh. and how that was used to to decipher communications and maybe something similar was used to like hack into some sort of robotic control that, that triggered some of this rebellion. I like that. Can they have like discovered art as well? You know, <laughs> like in parts of Europe, like they're like going through Vienna and they like discover like all these Mozart's oh, compositions. So cool. And yeah. they're like, yeah. why are we fighting? Maybe <laughs> hear me, yeah, they hear music and that, yeah. that changes them somehow. Life uh, is beautiful. Fall in love with a player piano. 
<laughs> maybe maybe the hacking and that are tied together. Like someone hacks one of them to make that possible. Yeah. <laughs> It like opens their mind or something to the, uh-huh. the beauty of life. Say, they discover Sartre and like existentialism. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, I really like these guys. Yeah. These me are too. my favorite guys. <laughs> um, so we've got artistic robots all over Europe and Africa and Asia just chilling, doing their artsy stuff. Creating a new renaissance you know, mm-hmm. in a wasteland. Yes, I think maybe maybe they they seem to be aligned with the powers that have lost, I would say. And maybe they have counterparts that are still under Japanese and American control. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. But yeah, I think they they have either they have aligned or they have taken over the place of like saying that all these people were wasted across mm-hmm. all the middle continents there. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've rallied those people to some extent. Mm-hmm. Iron giant style, like they're protecting them. Yeah, like maybe there's an alliance between those humans and them because they've discovered art and maybe they see the the art as worth preserving humanity and changing it. Oh, uh, yeah. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Or I could see them like protecting small settlements that have survived, which is mostly like the, the more peaceful people rather than the, yeah. the military of those countries. Because they've only known war since their creation. Yeah. Now I know love. <laughs> yeah. I'm picturing them wearing like ragtag uniforms, you know, but they're like freaking clattering metal. Are they like design their own fashions? Yes, they absolutely yeah. do. I got this in Milan. <laughs> yeah. Are they like graffiti their bodies and paint themselves? Oh, that's cool. I was going to be so pissed. <laughs> no, no. That'll be fine. So, uh, John, you said that this ties into your second one? Yeah, so uh, it ties into my first and and this one as well. Um, So I say that the Americans and the Japanese have taken very different approaches to the super soldiers. Mm. Whether it be augmenting, some are augmenting their populace or have Mm. created these kind of robots or are creating kaiju or they created uh, some kind of super crossbreeds of animals. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just I would want both of those two superpowers left to have different approaches towards it. And one could be the the robots or they could have uh, abandoned that since it seems to have failed them and turned on them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they they went with like the augmented human idea because the pure robots failed. Yeah. So oh. It's like, oh, if we, you know, replace this guy's arms with massive robot arms, it's totally fine. It's still we guy. just can't give him a robot brain. Yeah. Yeah. What does this tenant say about the, 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 um, let me look it up. There have to be super soldiers or failed experiments of some sort. Oh, okay. so Nothing stipulated about them. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, my, my tenant is just that the Americans and the Japanese have ultimately taken very different approaches to their super oh, soldiers. Okay. So one is going to have one kind and the other one's going to have another kind. And mm-hmm. I, I it could also tie into that ocean thing, things being awoken or whatever. Maybe, maybe the U.S. had sent in on the Gulf Stream like these, like, crazy biologically modified turtles but then they started growing large and now are like on the loose oh my god i found a way to bring the nazis back into the picture no no nazis so hear this hear this out Uh the nazis are utterly defeated which is fine they never Mm -hmm. never even came to power in this world or maybe they came to power were defeated preemptively in the war but perhaps they're the nazi artifacts 
like the the stuff they used to search for, like the the vril power and all the crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. Erica, like, is yeah. under the oceans and was, or maybe it was on Earth, mm. and perhaps the two remaining powers, um, the superhumans that they're building, have something to do with that. Okay. Like perhaps they've each discovered maybe parts of some Nazi sought after artifact. It doesn't have to be a thing that was made by Nazis, but something that Nazis yeah, yeah. after. Well, you know? One of the, the occult yeah. stuff that they were all into. Yeah, the occult yeah. shit. And like maybe there is a few Nazis that they both captured, you know, who have mm-hmm. survived yeah. that know where this occult stuff is. And that has to do with the, the superhumans. That could that could be the Japanese version, is because yeah. they, they were once allies with with them mm-hmm. so oh, maybe true. They, maybe it's the japanese to have it yeah yeah maybe they adopt yeah. it now they have like these cool like uh ghost uh unreal warriors yeah yeah i like that um can i have a third tenant that anime doesn't <laughs> exist can, can i just throw that in there <laughs> i support it <laughs> i mean i'm a guest i get a i get a bonus tenant right oh I'm totally totally that's how it works yeah yeah anime manga, it just doesn't exist nice well no. They were too busy taking over. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, you were saying like maybe it, some of the stuff like fell into the ocean. Or maybe it was like originally in the Arctic or something and the yeah. warmth melted the glacial caps and so they discovered it. I think it's somehow connected. Yeah. Like I'm picturing um, that maybe they had a bunch of these artifacts on a huge ship or on a diesel zeppelin type thing and it was attacked and all that stuff was dispersed into the ocean or fell into like the bottom of it and that's what might have awoken some of what's happening down there yes it maybe it corrupted um things down there yeah yeah spread occult energy around the ocean made it dangerous or maybe it's just like very unpredictable now because it's all this like Mm -hmm. weird magic shit in it just volatile yeah so so we're saying at some point during the world war and the defeat of the nazis the japanese recovered some sort of artifacts from the from the failed nazis these artifacts were being transported but their transport got destroyed and fell into the ocean and it's created corruption yeah or like or the nazis were like sending the stuff to japan as like a last ditch like you guys have this now we know we're losing how about this? How about the Nazis had unearthed this? You know, they like they dug up under the Sphinx and found the you know the Anubis basically or something yeah. like that, and, th- and that will actually help the downfall of the Nazis in Europe. Um, and then the Japanese were the ones to recover it, but it had already been unleashed as well. So the Japanese have it in a certain uh, uh, sense to use for their super soldiers, but then mm-hmm. also it's it's wild as well. I like that that could have led to the downfall of the Nazis, like their own thirst for this uh, knowledge. Yeah. So we could say then that the Japanese sort of turned, like they were allied, but they, you know, they're opportunists. So they managed to get a hold of it once the Nazis lost control of it. Maybe that's part of the, the robot sentience as well, too. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. they have ghosts in them. So, because that, mm-hmm. that, that makes sense, because it'd be like the Americans sending over all their robot super soldiers across the uh, Bering Strait into, mm-hmm. you know, Asia. And then they get in, they're getting all zombified and then discovering art and beauty. So we're saying like they, their, their troops come through the interaction with this artifact um, is what kind of gives them sentience mm-hmm. or maybe because mm-hmm. I don't want to lose sight of the hacking thing that 
Courtney's okay. question, maybe like mm-hmm. there's a scientist or someone who understands how to use that to to that effect for them, mm-hmm. like use the artifact stuff to end up liberating the machines. I'm fine with it. Like some sort of like sentience ray or something that he zaps robots with and opens them. Yeah, up. like he, he <laughs> uses the Nazi stuff to liberate the robots. Oh, that might be too mm-hmm. complicated. I feel like complicated. <laughs> you know, I just don't want to lose your little hacking thing unless you don't care. I don't know. That was just an idea. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's just let the Nazis do it. <laughs> <laughs> Always a solid answer. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, they'll just tire themselves out eventually. Just let them do it. <laughs> um, so for my second tenet is that the film industry in this world is booming, rife with propaganda films and movies about war. Oh, wow. I mean, that makes sense because it's, it's an endless war, right? Yeah, yeah. But now with like the, the artistic robots in play, like I wonder if they have their own movie renaissance going on. Rival Hollywood yeah. in Europe. Yeah, <laughs> just all robots and and artists. Robot robot theater. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make a list of all the shit here for myself so I can understand what we've done. I, I've been taking notes, so I'm uh, sure. okay, great. <laughs> I think that's nice from a um a stylistic point of view because so far we've seen a very like grim kind of you know almost like pulp uh, view of yeah. the setting, but this adds a bit of not whimsy but a bit of color to it. That'll be fun. Because you could then tell a story that's not about like super soldiers killing each other and you know, Nazi artifacts and the world powers fighting each other, but it could be like rival studios and mm-hmm. everything else is the backdrop to it if you wanted to tell like a more intimate, smaller story. I mean, the, there could still be a super soldier. There could still be, you know, a Nazi scientist and Japanese and American soldiers, but the foreground could be this interesting studio battle. Yeah, that could be cool. Like with the Americans and Japanese producing these like very warlike, uh, like showing victory in wartime and crushing the mm-hmm. enemy kind of stuff. And then you got the robot Hollywood that's all about like peace and love and films of the sky and, and flowers. And <laughs> They just make screwball comedies. <laughs> well, maybe. Okay. So we know that, I mean, at least from a poetry point of view, like modernism was a reaction to the world wars. And, you know, later than that, we have postmodernism really developing. So perhaps um, the robots represent a postmodernist movement that is a reaction to all of the the horror of war and the machinery of that kind of thinking. Yeah. And their art. I like it. Zero, zero, one, zero, zero, one, zero, (laughs) zero, zero, one, 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 one. That's their postmodernist take. That's, yeah, that was, a, that was a haiku, actually. Yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> nice. Um, and Daniel, do you want to give your second tenant? Um, I, I think that <laughs> this is probably already incorporated in there, but uh, I had the knowledge of an experimental diesel engine threatens to end the war, and its warhawks don't want that to happen. Uh, so ending the war as in... Would it be like so efficient that there wouldn't be a fight for resources anymore? Or would it be something that would make for enormously powerful planes or or bombers or something? My first thought was that it was the equivalent of an atom bomb as far as Mm -hmm. the original real timeline goes. So, so our version of that, 
that it would be so such a devastating thing or or technology for anyone to possess that you'd basically win by default by having it okay could this be possessed by the robots themselves oh mm. i like that it can, yeah. it can tie back to their original development too mm. does that mean that they have the nazi occult stuff wow because we know that we know japan is using it to make their super soldiers yeah mm. I don't know what the Americans have, but I, I think the Americans just have uh, advanced robot technology and access mm-hmm. to lots of crude oil. So their their super soldiers were the original robots that they mind control, and then the Japanese must have some kind of magically enhanced soldiers from the Nazi occult powers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like ninjas, ninjas slash. Um, you know, I'm just gonna mix a bunch of Asian cultures together. <laughs> you know, like the they've got some, <laughs> they've got some some magical samurai shit going on, right? Just be as well, cliched as possible. Those both were Japanese, by the way. So you're you're, you're oh, still... ninjas are Japanese. All right, well then, yeah. never mind. Scratch anything that you thought I was said I was racist. It wasn't. Don't so fuck you, <laughs> listeners. Oh <my> <laughs> it's okay. I'm not white, so <laughs> I'm pass. Let me show you my not white card. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, we had talked about how the Americans probably have like human slash robot tech, like modified humans. Yeah. Diesel cyborgs. Yeah, yeah. These borgs. These borgs. It's nice. Borgs. We call them borgs. 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 So then you're thinking like maybe it, this secret tech is somewhere in europe africa asia that realm and like it has something to do with what the uh robots have from the nazis or maybe they've just been working on their own stuff i think to keep it simple perhaps um perhaps if we take a step back the nazis originally unearthed some kind of a cold artifact right <laughs> that, that threatened to end the war in the past but it was their downfall then the japanese <laughs> seems to have stole technology from it to enhance their soldiers but yep. perhaps before they could actually recover it, the robots got a hold of it, and they've been building this diesel engine with it. Yeah, I think like it kind of mm-hmm. like got split up between. Yeah. Well, maybe even three ways. Like maybe the robots took some of it, the Japanese recovered some of it, and then some got unleashed into the oceans to mm-hmm. to uh-huh. contribute with on top of the pollution. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Americans are responsible. They were trying to smuggle it out with this triad of of theft. Mm-hmm. They ended uh... up poisoning the ocean, as we always do. As yeah. we always do. Typical. Someone else's problem. <laughs> yep. I'm picturing like the the robots building this diesel tech to use for like cruises or like you know leisurely plane rides, not not warfare. But the Americans and Japanese can see its potential for mm-hmm. actual war. Yes. Maybe it has something to do with the movies. Oh, maybe. You know. It could also be like space technology. Oh, we got to add space Ooh. into this. <laughs> maybe, maybe a robot had a dream of filming a movie that would unite the people of the world by going to the moon mm-hmm. and showing how how tiny the Earth is in yes. the grand scheme of things. Yes, and so this power, this diesel engine, could take you out of the Earth's atmosphere. It's so powerful, yeah. but they don't realize that it could be used as a weapon. Or maybe that is the weapon, just the the knowledge of how insignificant all this is. Certainly from the robot's point of view. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's cool because it brings it back to the whole movie theme, which I really think has got to be at the heart of this. Mm. Yeah, no, I I like that. So to the robots, it's like, oh, we can make these great scientific advancements and go to the moon and show everybody, you know, how vast space is and all this. And the other superpowers are like, no, we just want to use it to blow shit up or like build space lasers or something. Exactly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is this is quite the diesel punk setting we've got going on um hell yeah it is <laughs> uh, i think this is a good time to go back over our tenets and try to remember what the fuck we just talked about <laughs> uh, so john could you start with your first one uh my first tenet was that it, this all takes place in post-world war ii era where only japan and the u.s have exited the war well have exited as superpowers because the war is still going on Mm-hmm. And most of Europe, Asia, and Africa have been laid to waste. Okay. Laid or laid? Laid to waste or laid to waste? Laid. Laid. And most of Europe, Asia, and Africa have been laid to waste. Okay. No, and I think I think we've definitely covered that. How do you feel about it? Oh, I feel, I mean, it's not ideal as a future, but I think <laughs> in this imaginary setting, it's, it's wonderful. I think it's great. I'm pretty sure that's the frame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, and then uh, I went next, and that was that the oceans have become extremely dangerous to traverse, and we ended up talking about a lot of pollution and Nazi artifacts, like crashing into the ocean and awakening things down there. And uh, so it's sort of a mix of environmental effects and occult stuff, and possibly kind you down there for something, maybe. There's a lot going on. Yeah, we never... We never really settled. We should really define what exactly is going on. I know we've got environmental concerns, obviously. Yeah. Do we have kaiju? Do we have monsters? Like, what's the situation? Um, like I talked about maybe the issue is that it's all the occult stuff getting thrown in there has made it just a very chaotic thing. So, like, mm-hmm. it's very unpredictable, um, which could be in somewhat mundane-ish things like, you know, storms or... Things like that, but it could also be like you'll just randomly be going along, and suddenly it's it's pure acid for the next mile, or things like that. Got it. So it's more like it is creating more chaos, not so much that it's summoning Godzilla, but there might be giant squids and things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think so. I guess the only thing I'm not clear on is um, because we we I guess it depends on where we think these these artifacts were originally recovered, but. Like, could we say then maybe they were recovered like in Antarctica and that's the melting of from all of the um, environmental damage the war has done oh, yeah. the ice. And that's what kind of uh, is. I was I was thinking Africa and Antarctica personally. And I, yeah. I like the idea. Maybe maybe the newer ones, like maybe the original ones were dug up in Africa and then it found more. Mm-hmm. The more. Yeah. As as you know, pollution has caused and the oceans have mm-hmm. turned to acid and whatever. Um Parts of Antarctica are unfreezing, and they're now seeing that prior civilization from 10,500 BC that ex- totally existed in real life. Um, <laughs> Which the Nazis are always obsessed with. So that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that works. Okay. Now, now I have a good understanding. I don't know what it is, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and then, Daniel, your first tenet? Um, that there's a race of diesel engine robots that play a pivotal role in society. Yeah, I think that's. Pretty major component of the setting now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John, your second one? 
Uh, my second one was that the Americans and Japanese have very different approaches to the super soldiers, as mentioned in Kaiser's third tenet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is that one is like pure super robots that have really been mastered. And the other one are humans altered by the occult power. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think that's where we landed. Yeah, or like America was a blend of human and robot. Because like the robots could sort of awaken and they're the hippies over in Europe now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Deesborgs. The Deesborgs, yes. Deesborgs. <laughs> there's, a, there's a term when I was looking at the wiki page um, that's kind of cool that we could use um, that it was the style. What was it? Decodence? Or decodence? Decodence. Which is supposed to be art deco plus diesel punk like diesel era so that the word is mm. decadence and that's cool maybe we can call them like deco bots or something or deco de- bots. I like <laughs> or that, something, yeah you know. yeah it's it's art deco and decadence it's mixed together deco bots mount up <laughs> <laughs> i also have another question like mm-hmm. we didn't really define what the um artifact is i mean and i thought like well i'm thinking x-files remember how they found that that oil the black oil alien that was basically alien goo um mm. What if it's like a, a fuel that's added to a diesel engine that really changes the game? Like an ancient fuel or something? Yeah. Like just a drop of it mm-hmm. makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. That, that way there'd be multiple places that you can tap it from. And so tapping yeah. Antarctica when you're, you're bleeding Antarctica dry, basically. Mm-hmm. I like that. Is it the blood of the covenant? Yeah. It's some special blood or something. It's ancient. And that's why it's a cult, too. Well, thank you for bringing blood into it. <laughs> Courtney's like, I would like to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> well, I denied you of it last time with my prompt, so I felt like yeah, uh, yeah. I had to bring it back for you. Yeah. It's like every time I don't bring up blood in my tenets, it ends up in there somehow anyway. Mm-hmm. It just happens somehow. Imagine that. Yeah, weird. But yes, I, I like that it's uh, some sort of ancient blood i mean given that oil is just the long long pressurized (laughs) corpses of animals and stuff Uh uh-huh so this is some other kind of thing it's it's the pressurization of atlanteans oh my god because okay because if you mix that blood with the japanese super soldiers that's how you get them to be super cool and maybe like you fuel the the deco bots in america with the blood (laughs) okay so, so we have Atlantis in here now. I mean, we had Nazis, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's Antarctica. It, it could be rumored. It could be rumored to be Atlantean corpses. Okay. Okay. You know, the Nazis are crazy. Who knows what they? Who knows what they're not? Yeah, they're nuts. <laughs> so, John, does that? I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm, okay. Sounds good. Okay. Um. Sorry, was that your second tenant? I lost track of where we... Yeah, yeah, that was my second tenant. Okay, sorry. That was my doing. All this talk of blood and... Yeah. It was an hot I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my second one was that the film industry in this world is booming. There's tons of propaganda and military movies, which I think it works in the setting that we developed, and I think it fits well with the robots in... Europe, Asia, Africa, being so obsessed with art and peace. And I do like that idea of the the one robot having a vision of going to the moon, making a film up there. I love how that's become, I think, I think that tenant really is the thematic heart of the setting. 
like everything you design from an adventure or storytelling perspective would have to lean on that because that yeah. if you thought of it as like an RPG setting you buy or something like mm-hmm. a module, like the sell here is it's like, this is not just another interwar kind of setting. It's about the movies and propaganda. Yeah. And what does it mean to have an imagination during wartime? I think that's a cool concept for a setting as opposed to like your standard war setting. Yeah. Like the war is, war is more the backdrop and this is the, mm-hmm. the, the imagination and wonder and mm-hmm. appreciation of beauty is the goal. Yeah. You have all those cool um, art deco posters and stuff in the book and the art, art deco art. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do like that focus on the film aspect because it does feel like in a lot of um, like war oriented fantasy and sci-fi stories, the the propaganda aspect isn't always all there even though that's like a huge part of war and hyping up your population and mm-hmm. getting them to think that people on the other side of the world are pure evil just with the power of movies yes and i don't think i've ever heard of a setting like that before which is kind of neat yeah power of cinema yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could also have musicals oh my God. robot musicals yes <laughs> Is that is that where the dark horror aspect of this problem comes in? <laughs> I love musicals. I love them. And there is like a what are they called when like celebrities and artists go to uh, military bases and perform and stuff? Like that's like a USO? common. Yeah, USO yeah. shows. Yeah, like boost the morale and stuff like that. So I can see that happening too with America and Japan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Daniel, your last tenant. This was that there is knowledge of an experimental diesel engine that threatens to end the war, but the powers don't want that to happen. And I think um, mm-hmm. we had decided this is the moon, uh, the moon rocket or whatever it is that this robot yeah. is going to use to film their movie and create a message of world peace. But it in fact can be used as a weapon of war. Yep, yep. I like that, and I think it leaves a lot of room for us to build on next time mm-hmm. with the implications of that technology what it is and all that mm-hmm. yeah um so now that we've gone over the tenets uh, i'm gonna roll the twist that we can work off of for next time the twist is that cults are involved oh well seems we already quite... did that twist <laughs> this is quite natural <laughs> yeah i guess it will i was i was thinking that we we kind of have strayed from the dark horror military mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. part of the prompt so i think the having the refocus on the cults and what that means and like maybe maybe it's only a matter of time before that blood actually starts affecting oh. the ruins mm-hmm. yes like maybe they are they are they're doomed to you know follow the path of the predecessors the humans yeah mm-hmm. well and the other the other thing this could transform if you if you think of the the thematic heart the development of the first horror movie. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. That's very mm-hmm. made up. Yeah. But I love that blood idea. I do too. Yeah. So I think technically the first horror movie is older, right? I mean, Nosferatu's one of the. Oh, oldest. yeah. But this <laughs> will be like the first Hollywood fanfare yeah. horror yeah. movie. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and we can. We can figure out what kind of spooky movies they're making next time. Uh, oh, I love it. Oh, should we bring a movie that each? So, because you know how we normally do factions. Oh yeah. Should we bring a film that's being developed? 
in this world? I would say, well, we have cults too that are involved. So like, well, I guess that's the The cults can be part of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're cult movies. Cult movies. Didn't say what kind of cults. Oh, you're right. No, man. (laughs) I mean, we can explore the cult angle for sure, but movie, a movie that each faction's developing. Because I could also let you speak to a faction. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Let's each make a a movie studio and a movie that they've made. Yes. (laughs) Great idea. Uh, Well, on that note, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Again, thank you to Kaiser for this prompt. I know that we uh, went off the rails a little bit there, but I hope you still like it. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Remember that if you'd like us to build your world, you can visit worldbuildwithus.com to submit a prompt. And within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to check out our YouTube channel, we're at World Build With Us on there, and you can follow and like and all that. You can also find us on Twitter at Let's World Build, or if you'd like a place to chat with us directly and meet other listeners, you can join our Discord server with a link for that in the description. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, like Kaiser, you can throw money at us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worldbuildwithus. You'll get Benefits like a patron-only Discord channel, those patron-exclusive Aether Lounge episodes, two-part world builds for the prompts you submit, and more. And a big thanks to all of our patrons for your ongoing support. That's going to do it for this episode of World Build With Us. We'll see you next time when we're dealing with cults and movie studios. Uh, Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together. Until next week. Bye.